Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show, and thank you so much for tuning in with me here on Radio NL. It is Friday the 20th. Yes, March is already two-thirds over, and there feels like there's still a lot yet to happen before the calendar turns over to April. We'll uh, be counting down these next 11 days with uh, with a little bit of angst, I feel. On today's show, I'll be speaking with the Director of Charitable Giving at uh, Canada Helps to talk a little bit more about where Canadians may be wanting to donate during this difficult time. And also, somewhat as a footnote, I guess, really, is it is technically tax season, and what should you be aware of when planning to make those donations and, and looking at a possible tax receipt? We'll get into that here in just a little bit. The Canada-U.S. border is set to close to any non-essential travel as early as tonight. What does that mean for communities that rely on tourism as an economic driver? Well, I'll be speaking with the mayor of a Soyuz to kick off the back half of the show. And I'm also set to chat a little bit with the B.C. Chamber of Commerce after they released a survey that saw almost 8,000 businesses respond. And, uh, well, safe to say there's not much of a positive outlook right now when it comes to the business community. And to end things off today, we'll be doing another edition of Friday Headlines. But to begin today's show, I am joined on the line by the president of the B.C. Construction Association. Chris Atchison. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, thanks for having me on the phone. Yeah, so BCCA is unveiling a COVID-19 virtual hotline to support the BC construction sector, and it's also having to, you know, hit the pause button on its 50th anniversary celebration as the association sort of bolsters its response to the latest construction industry challenges. Uh, I just want to start, Chris, by asking about this virtual hotline. What is it, and what is its purpose? Yeah, so as, as part of the BC Construction Association's uh, response to the crisis that is impacting everyone across the world and, and specifically in our, in our own region, um, we wanted to gather together uh, some industry contacts that we have developed relationships with over the years and uh, really so that they could respond to the construction industry and the members of the regional construction associations with their real and specific questions about the impacts that they would face, uh, everything from um, their, their workforce challenges or their workforce planning to anything that they have uh, underway with, uh, with projects and potential interruptions. Uh, so this, this group that we've assembled um, is, is our expert panel and we're encouraging the construction industry, employers and workers alike, to uh, utilize the virtual hotline on, our, uh, on the webpage that we've created so that we can do our best to help address some of their questions in these uncertain times. Now, with that all being said, kind of, can you give me a, a, a bit of a picture of how the construction industry is being impacted right now? Because I look out here, um, you know, in Kamloops, and we see a, a lot of work is still continuing to go on. It feels like, you know, when we're talking about people being outside, that's still something that is well uh, permitted by the, the top doctor here in British Columbia. So, um, you know, what is the impact right now on the construction industry, and, and how significant is it at this point in time? Yeah, it's, it's significant. Um, and and I, I think you raise a very good point is, is our, uh, the, the permissions are still there for um, uh, construction projects to, to continue to some extent uh, as long as safe practices uh, are, are being displayed according to the, uh, the health authorities. So um, the social distancing, the non-sharing of tools, 
um, uh, and and making sure that work sites are uh, impressively hygienic to make sure that workers can remain safe and secure and and uh, free from infection. We, um, so there's a wide range throughout the industry right now. We do have a number of employers who are uh, deciding that they want to uh, shut down their work sites because that they feel that they can't uh, control or maybe they have had an individual who has um, expressed symptoms. Uh, that said, uh, when we notice what our, our la largest um, uh, private project in, in Canadian history is doing by, by significantly downsizing on the uh, LNG Canada project up in Kitimat, they are still maintaining uh, a semblance of safety and, and um, progress on that site. Similarly, uh, with the largest public project in Site C, we're seeing a scaling back and, and safety of the workers and the site being at, at Paramount. We're encouraging that sort of um, a measured approach throughout industry. We are still encouraging the government to, to allow for uh, a safety first approach to make sure that sites uh, can maintain some of this uh, advancement of these projects as long as the workers are safe and as long as the, uh, the contractors are adhering to uh, what we're allowed to do on these sites at the present time. At the first sign of anything, we need to, uh, to self-isolate just like everybody else. But the construction industry in this province is so huge and represents such a big uh, uh, facet of, of um, intricate, intricate um, uh, GDP and, and economic drivers. There's a lot of opportunity for us to move ahead with a healthy workforce and continue some of the work in a responsible way on major projects and, and, uh, and small industrial and commercial projects as well. Now, I did want to ask, too, I mean, there's no one industry that's, you know, more important or really being more um, impacted by COVID than, than others. I mean, it's sort of like we're all in this together, right? The, we have to be a team when it comes to getting through this whole COVID-19 situation. But when, when looking at the construction industry and a lot of the workers who I would think would be hired for, for jobs are, are seasonal employees. So maybe they haven't been working for most of the winter and, you know, they've been looking forward to the construction season to begin to get back to work. And now, you know, that might not be the case. I mean, is there some extra challenges, I guess, that come with being seasonal employees? Uh, I, I wouldn't say that that's been a, a major concern for us right now because because of the, the climate throughout most of British Columbia, we right. have found over the last few years with our labor market that any individual in construction who wants to be working is working. And so what we're finding right now is some uh, sites are scaling back uh, and, and other sites are a little bit uncertain about as to the state of their projects. There is um, um, some of this labor pool is now becoming more available to redistribute to other sites. And this is the important part that we want to uh, prepare for as we all go through this as British Columbians is that no matter where this comes to in this province with a, with a, with a shutdown or um, uh, other industries uh, being impacted alongside construction, is that we want to best position the construction industry to be part of the necessary response to demonstrate the resilience of British Columbia and our industry. And, and so we're working with uh, members and industry alike to make sure that construction is part of the solution, part of the resilience strategy of British Columbia.
Is there, um, you know, is it frustrating or disappointing, I guess, right now when, when you know, off the top, I was mentioning that you've had to put these 50th anniversary celebrations on hold amid, uh, amid the whole coronavirus scare right now. I mean, is that a, a little bit disappointing? I know there's way more important things to worry about right now than an anniversary celebration, but it doesn't change the fact that, you know, people look forward to some of these kinds of milestones. Yeah, if you had asked me two months ago that question, I, I would have said we would have been uh, very, you know, bitterly disappointed. But, uh, you know, the way things that the way things have unfolded in the last two weeks, um, it's it, it's a no-brainer for us. We will find other ways to celebrate with our industry. We are still going ahead with um, with with celebrating or amplifying the importance of our industry uh, in all of April with Construction and Skilled Trades Month. The fact that we have had to park our uh, 50th anniversary celebration in in April uh, that's a that's a minor inconvenience and uh, one that we are happy to make in order to lean in uh, to being part of not only of doing our part for to, to mitigate the health cons concerns of COVID-19 but also uh, to, uh, to make sure that we're positioning the industry for the, the response that we need. One thing that I will say is that over the past two weeks, um, it's been a, a real lesson for uh, people I've been talking to about the need for both dynamic and uh, dynamic leadership and leadership humility. The decisions that we made yesterday aren't necessarily the decisions that we can make tomorrow. Uh, and so while we need to be ready and, and at the ready to respond to anything that comes our way, we also need to do it with a sense of understanding um, and humility that um, there's a lot of things going on in our world today th that are bigger than ourselves. And we need to park our egos and get through this together. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me here today. Really appreciate you doing this. And um, yeah, hopefully, all I can do is hope that things slowly get back to normal here. But thanks so much for your time. Thanks very much, Jeff, and we're always ready to do our part. Awesome. That was Chris Atchison, the president of the BC Construction Association, just talking about some, some concerns within that industry itself and, you know, the steps that they're taking to try to support the workers in that field and uh, the businesses, of course, that do the work to, to, to build new things here in our communities. We're, we're going to need them. and. Um, this industry is one that is going to continue whether we like it to or not and um, you know obviously just the right steps have to be taken to keep everybody safe and the BC Construction Association is uh, is not immune to any of the effects that we're feeling right now. Coming up next it is of course an incredibly difficult time for a lot of people a lot of businesses and honestly I've been saying it all week I do believe things are going to get worse before they get better just look at the number of positive tests in Canada when it comes to COVID-19 over the past week plus uh, you know we somehow feel like we're ahead of the game right now but I think that's incredibly naive to think that we haven't hit our peak just yet so what what is the situation moving forward how can we help those who are you know concerned about their futures maybe need a few extra dollars in the bank in order to be um you know feel stable and feel safe well i'll be uh, talking with canada helps after this I'll be talking with jacob o'connor who is the director of charitable giving at canada helps so stay tuned more jeff andrea show coming up after this opinion. Call or text 250-374-5345. Find us on Facebook or on Twitter at Radio NL News. This is Jeff Andreas on RadioNL.com. 
Welcome back into the Jeff Andrea Show here on Radio NL. It is Friday. We're uh, ending off the work week here in style, of course. You know, as we deal with COVID-19, there are a number of individuals out there who probably do need a little bit of extra help. And hopefully there are a few out there as well who feel the need to go out and help others because they have the financial means to do so. Where is the best place to put those dollars and what should people be aware of when making donations around this time? Well, I'm joined on the line now by the Director of Charitable Giving at Canada Helps, Jacob O'Connor. Jacob, thanks so much for coming back on the show. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. Yeah, so let's just start with how you're doing. I mean, uh, you know, crazy times that we're dealing dealing with here, of course, in, in the world and in Canada. I mean, just how, how are things with you? Is everything okay on your end right now? Yeah, everything's great. I was out of the country last week, so came into self-quarantine on my return, but I think we're kind of all in the same boat now. So uh, I've been getting heart from... Uh, um, virtual coffees and and all the positive messages on social media. So my wife and I are doing good. Thanks for asking. I hope you're doing well too. Thank you so much for asking as well. Yeah, things are good so far and we'll just kind of have to, to see how things go as time progresses. But as of this moment, and that's all I can speak to, things are good. Now, um, when talking about, uh, you know, being uh, giving, being considerate with your dollars around this time, what should Canadians be considering right now when it comes to, um, you know, wanting to make some charitable donations? Is there anything that people should be keeping in mind uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who are thinking, you know, they would like to help those who are going through difficult situations as they deal with COVID-19. Is there anything in particular that Canadians should keep in mind when wanting to, uh, you know, help donate a few dollars? Yeah, I would say a few key things. Number one, just to know that charities are vital in Canada, from food banks to hospitals uh, to seniors' homes. Uh, they play a really vital role in the social fabric of Canada. Um, and they rely heavily on their fundraising events to generate the revenues to provide those services. Um, those happen in the spring, and because of this, all of these events are getting cancelled, and so they're really struggling right now. At the same time, due to the, due to the same situation, there's a lot of Canadians struggling that need to access those services. So um, this is a really, really important time where charities need us to step up, um, and we're seeing that right now with people really being generous in this time. So I would just, yeah, consider that for sure. Yeah, I was going to ask you pretty much answer this question, but, you know, there are many out there who are clearly feeling the need to, to pinch a lot of pennies right now, and this probably does make it more important than ever for those who can afford to give to go about doing so. So do you have any message for those who maybe are, are sitting there thinking that, um, you know, they have a few extra dollars to give and maybe are reluctant to do so, especially when you're looking at a time like this where a lot of, you know, scams and stuff are out there, um, you know, with uh, people looking to take advantage of these types of, of terrible situations. But those scams do, in fact, exist. Um, any message for those who, who are willing to give but maybe just a little bit hesitant right now? Yeah, 100%. I think we, we do have this economic reality to deal with as well. Um, I would say a really, really great time, a way to give, no matter the time, is monthly giving. And so right now you can kind of etch out whatever you can afford out of your schedule um, and then uh, out of your budget, sorry, and then you can schedule that monthly. Um, for, for yourself, it, it comes out monthly. Uh, you don't have to worry about it or think about it and you know you can afford it. And for the charity, that's a monthly revenue that they can rely on rather than waiting for that big event or the end of the year for those donations. So I would really, really uh, look into that monthly giving. Now, this is probably a tough question to answer, but, you know, whenever we see, uh, you know, Canada is a very generous country, I think, and whenever we see big crisis and, uh, and big events that, uh, you know, bring people together, it does feel like Canada, you know, steps up to the plate and does its part when donating money. I think back to, like, you know, the Fort Mac fires and things like that, and Canadians really do bond together to help those when they do need them. But when looking at something like this that is affecting everyone, um, it, it might be difficult to expect an increase in, in charitable donations during a time of 
crisis that is affecting the entire country and really the entire globe right now. Um, you know, do you is it can you can you even kind of gauge whether you could see expect an increase or a decrease in donations as a result of something like this? You know what, Jeff? Um, that's a great question. So in the last recession, we saw a slight drop in donations, about 8% um, the following year. So a very small drop, but given, given the drop in the economy that time, I think that shows really how charitable Canadians are. Um, and right now, I can say the response that we've got in these last two weeks in support of our food banks, particularly, has been overwhelming. Um, and it's been really heartening to see, for sure. That's good to hear. I'm, I'm glad that, that, that that is the case right now. I know I talked with the food bank here just a couple of days ago in, in Kamloops, and there is some concerns, uh, you know, there as well when we see people panic buying at the grocery store and what that does for the supply and what people are willing to give to the food bank. Um, you know, they're obviously having issues with volunteers as people are self-quarantining or coming back from vacation and have to have to stay away for a couple of weeks. It does put a bit of a strain on those charitable organizations that do rely so heavily on, on volunteers. Uh, I did want to ask you as well, Jacob, they have you. I mean, we were going to be talking a little bit about tax season because, of course, uh, you know, taxes are, well, they were going to be due at the end of next month. I don't know if that's going to be the case. I think there's a little bit of reprieve that's being given as a result of this. Um, but, you know, when, when people are considering giving and, and, you know, this time of year is no different, no matter what crisis we're going through, uh, what, what kinds of things should people keep in mind uh, when they are looking to make a donation somewhere and, and what kind of impact it could have on their taxes? Is there any particular tips that you have for those individuals? Yeah, that, that's a really great question. Um, so what the, the key thing is that uh, so by donating to one of your favorite charities and supporting them, whether you're setting up a monthly gift or maybe donating stocks or mutual funds gifts, which is a really tax advantage way to give, and you can do these all at CanadaHelps.org. You can donate to any charity in Canada. But regardless of the, uh, of the way that you're giving, you can receive as much as 53% of the amount you donated back at tax time. Um, so really would uh, just take that into consideration. We're in tax time now. Uh, donations for this year would be for next year. Um, but, yeah, up to 53% of the amount you, you, you can get back at tax time. Yeah, I think that's important for, for people to know. I always seem to forget that. It feels like, you know, uh, whatever I donate prior to my taxes being filed, I should be allowed to, to, to claim, but that's not quite how it works, right? It's within that 12 months, January to December, so people got to remember that when, when making any donations and, and what it means for your taxes. Um, any, anything else you want to add here while I have you on the line, Jacob? We've got about 30 seconds left, so, um, you know, maybe just want to give one more uh, push for people to, who can donate to do so. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so for those that are looking to directly support um, COVID and the crisis, you can go to CanadaHelp.org. And you're, if you're not sure where to give, we have a whole list of about 50 to 60 charities um, that are responding in all different types of ways to the crisis. Um, so you can go there, you can donate to any of those charities, instantly get your tax receipt for next year's tax time, um, and you're sure to make a really big impact. And I would say it's not just the food banks that need help. It's not just the hospitals. And you'll be able to go to that website and check out all the different ways that people are responding to this crisis and really stepping up in time of need. Great message, Jacob. Thank you so much for doing this. I really do appreciate it. And, and yeah, I'm sure we will see Canadians band together during this difficult time. But thanks so much for highlighting uh, you know, some, some key things that people should keep in mind here moving forward. Appreciate your time. No worries. Thank, thanks for having me. Anytime. That was the Director of Charitable Giving at Canada Helps, Jacob O'Connor. And again, like you had mentioned, head on to uh, CanadaHelps.org for that list of, of charities uh, that they will be helping to support and promote during uh, the COVID-19 scare. And there's also some, some local efforts for you to look into as well.
Coming up next, the borders officially shut, set to shut down here as early as tonight with uh, non-essential travel, travel no longer being allowed to go from Canada to the United States. What is the fear from border towns who rely on tourism? I'm sure there isn't, uh, you know, the number one priority dealing with tourism issues right now, but it is still uh, an issue for those cities that rely heavily on cross-border traffic. I'm going to be chatting with the mayor of a Soyuz after this, so please stick around. Uh, we'll take a quick break. More Jeff Andrea show coming up in just a bit. Listening to Jeff Andreas on Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andrea Show, and thank you so much for tuning in here with me on Friday. Yesterday, the Prime Minister did announce that he expects the border to be shut down by the weekend, which could be as early as tonight. How exactly is this going to impact communities that do rely heavily on that cross-border traffic to make ends meet? Well, I'm joined on the phone now by the mayor of Soyuz, Sue McCortoff. Thank you so much for joining me here today. Good morning. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, let's just kind of start with how Soyuz has been dealing with this whole situation so far. I mean, you know, every community is sort of having to deal with, with COVID-19 in its own unique way. Um, and then Soyuz, I guess, is no different than anywhere else. I mean, um, you know, just how have, how have things been handled in your community over the last week or so? Uh, probably exactly the same way as everybody else's community. Um, certainly our, our town staff and directors are um, working very carefully to make sure that our core services are being um, uh, looked at and kept in place for the safety of, our, of, of the people in our town. Um, that's the that's the first thing, and I was on the local radio station this morning to assure people that we were doing everything that we could to make sure that people were safe. But we take our um, our cue from the provincial medical doctors and the minister of health and the prime minister. So this week things have certainly evolved very quickly and changed. And sometimes it's not just a daily change; sometimes it's an hourly change. So the fact that on, on Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, I don't remember which day now, um, the province uh, provincial medical people were saying, please do not go across the border, stay in your own country, stay safe here. And the federal um, uh, government hadn't made that decision yet. Thankfully, they've, uh, they're both agreeing now on, on how to handle that. And um, will it affect tourism in Osiris? Of course it will. Um, everything will. We normally get a lot of visitors from many parts of the world, including the United States. So um, we're having to look at um, supporting locally people, local people supporting our own businesses, supporting our own restaurants and, and any way that we can. And lots of them are doing takeout. Lots of them are, um, you know, there are businesses that are open and we're just trying to be sensible about it. But definitely we're advising people to keep a total uh, physical distance and it's a must to, um, to stay home absolutely as much as possible. So I think we're probably doing the same as everybody else. Yeah, it's uh, definitely, you know, one of those things that once one 
community takes a certain step, a lot of communities will look at that and start reacting yeah. accordingly and, and following suit. Um, and I think that's the yeah. case across BC right now. Um, I did want to ask too, I mean, when talking about a Soyuz and, and some of the reliance that might be had on on people coming across the Oroville border, um, you know, how, how heavily does a Soyuz rely on that cross-border traffic to, um, you know, really drive the community there? I know like every community is dealing with a different sector of the economy that's really, um, you know, going to have a, a significant impact on their community. But when talking about a, a, a border town like a Soyuz, I would think, um, you know, that cross-border traffic has to be one of the, the main uh, issues or concerns for a community like that. It, well, it certainly is, but there's a small town on the other side of the border, too, so we don't have any large cities um, close by, with, with such as down at the, in south of Vancouver. That would make uh, you'd get a lot more cross-border right. shopping. Certainly people from, the, uh, from Washington um, who would come up to Canada or anywhere along the border, I guess, of Canada, they would, could come up because their dollar goes further up here. So where that's going to stop, um, when um, the news reporter was down at the border the other day, there were very few people from a series going down there, and certainly people from here do like to go down and get their cheaper gas. Um, that's, we're saying, no, stay home, shop locally, support the businesses that we have in town. Um, the, most of the people coming across the border the other day, and it hasn't actually officially closed until tonight, um, most of them were snowbirds from Canadians that were snowbirds, and they were coming back with their RVs and their trailers. So I am happy that we do have essential services going back and forth um, across the border, and I certainly hope we can keep that up so we don't have the panic buying and people um, being scared about getting food, and we understand that's a natural reaction. But um, we're ho happy to see that continuing, but we think that individuals who do not have to go across the border need to stay home for now. And we are all in this in this boat together, so we're all going to have to help each other and stay positive and work together to make, hopefully, to uh, lessen the impacts of this um, this virus. Mm -hmm, for sure. Uh, Sue, so I'll get you out of here on this. Um, you know, when talking about looking ahead, I guess, you know, right now it's sort of everything's in a bit of a standstill, but hopefully as we get closer and closer to summer, things will pick up and, and you know, we'll start to get through this. And with that being, um, you know, an issue when talking about people going across the border, I think that's still going to be something that people have a lot of concerns about here for, for at least a few months. Um, so how important is it to tell the people here of British Columbia, people who maybe are making plans or altering their vacation plans for the summer to, you know, stay in BC and experience things that are happening in our own province. I'm sure there's a lot of people around who have maybe haven't been to a Soyuz and haven't enjoyed uh, what you guys have to offer. So uh, just a, an opportunity here for maybe, you know, to convince people that uh, when, when planning a trip here this summer, maybe a Soyuz is a destination they want to check out. Absolutely it is. We're a resort municipality. We have the warmest lake in Canada. Um, we, are, we are happy to, um, uh, to have people come and visit here. And, and I think that all of us in British Columbia should be looking at stay vacations, um, visiting uh, our, the cities and towns in our province this year, and um, making sure we do it 
safely and that we're keeping physical distances but absolutely our hotels and our um and all the services that we have here would certainly welcome people from british columbia perfect i was down there last september and i uh, hope to be bound down there again at the end of this summer so uh look forward to it hopefully everything continues to uh, sort itself out here in the near future but uh, best of luck dealing yep. with this thing right now thanks so much for taking the time thanks. mayor i appreciate it thank you very much Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Suma Kortov, the mayor of Soyuz. Yeah, border towns clearly feeling a little bit of pressure right now, and, and tourism businesses are far from alone when it comes to this issue. Uh, the B.C. Chamber of Commerce recently put out a survey with almost 8,000 businesses responding to try and provide a snapshot of where the business community is right now when it comes to the novel coronavirus. Earlier this morning, I caught up with Val Litman, Val Litwin with the B.C. Chamber to talk about those results. Uh, here's my chat with him. Without getting into the results just yet, I mean, clearly a, a pretty crazy time we're living in. And, you know, as you guys went about doing this survey, which went from March 13th to the 18th, so closing this past Wednesday, and have almost, having almost 8,000 responses, even without getting into the details of the results, I mean, just that many people actually responding to this survey probably shows that, um, you know, this is clearly a crazy time we're living in and something we haven't really seen before and, and businesses just haven't dealt with before. Jeff, it's, it's truly unprecedented in, in the last generation or so. I mean, that, that we had this many businesses, as you say, almost 8,000 leaning in to have a conversation on these COVID-19 business impacts over the course of about four and a half days. I've never seen anything like it. And what we're hearing from businesses, no matter what region of the province they're in, no matter what size, what sector, they're being hit hard and the data paints quite a dire picture and of course you can appreciate one person's spending is another person's income and people are just not out there uh, spending money like they used to save a couple of discrete uh, categories like groceries and, and medicine but it's a very unprecedented and very scary time especially if you're a smaller medium-sized enterprise absolutely so when, when kind of looking at some of the results maybe if you can kind of give me a quick snapshot of some of the the highlights that you pulled from the survey and from the results that you've seen. Is there anything in particular that, that really stood out to you? Yeah, there's a couple of things. First of all, almost 90% of businesses are saying they're already being impacted, and that number climbs when we ask them if, if they said they expect it to be impacted. I mean, these numbers can't go farther north, right? I mean, pretty much 100% of the business community out there are saying, I'm either being impacted and it's hurting right now, or I'm going to be caught up in this and it's going to be quite devastating. 82% of those 8,000 businesses we spoke to have already seen a drop in revenue, and 75% are saying they're anticipating that their revenues will be cut at least in half. Even uh, more concerning or sobering is that a quarter of the respondents, so about 2,000 businesses, so again, keep in mind, a very uh, statistically representative data set here we're talking about about quarter a quarter of those 8,000 respondents said their revenues are going to go to zero so the preliminary picture this paints um, is frightening and you know I do give full credit and kudos to both the federal and provincial government there is no doubt they are up around the clock trying to crack the code on this they're doing everything they can but the speed of, of the aid and relief that they are able to table is going to be key because we have a window to get on top of this virus. We also have a window here to take care of business and that window is closing. 
This is just totally something we have never seen before and may never see again, but we got to get through this one first before we worry about that. Uh, when looking at businesses and just the impact of, you know, quarantining right now and talking about, you know, a lot of businesses almost seemed reluctant here at the beginning of the week to close up shop or to shrink their hours down as a result of, of COVID-19. And, you know, now more and more people are starting to get into that self-quarantine and just, you know, physically are unable to come into the workplace in order, you know, to keep everyone else safe. Is that having a, a massive impact on decisions that owners are making, just the availability of staff right now? Well, I mean, look, let's just remember the most important thing right now is the health and safety of our citizens in British Columbia. And that goes for our teams, that goes for business owners, that goes for members of the general public, our loved ones, families. Um, if if we are getting information from the BC Health Officer, from uh, you know her federal counterparts, and they're saying stay at home, don't gather in numbers over X. I believe right now it's uh, over uh, 50 people. We have to heed that advice. There's just no doubt. Businesses that can keep operating where they don't maybe have to interface with customers are a little bit luckier. I don't know how much people are buying online right now, but uh, if you've got a web-based business, you might have some resiliency built into your model there. But we just know first and foremost, the most important thing, we have to flatten the curve, or as we heard yesterday, we have to plank the curve. We actually have to flatten it out completely so um but but absolutely there are businesses out there i think in the beginning that we're thinking okay i'm still trying to get a sense of where this is all going of course i need to keep my revenues going because i have to pay rent i have to pay my team i have bills that i have to pay but we're in a situation now where we're being told we either have to shutter our businesses um or we have to limit uh, how people gather in and around our operations. And so that is now forcing businesses to, to close or step away or scale down. And that is why we're saying to business, uh, sorry, government that is, keep listening to these entrepreneurs and owners with your packages that you roll out. You have to go big or go home. Get creative. Now's the time. Nothing can be left off the table and we need speed here. So governments that are thinking about additional measures, uh, I know Bill Morneau said, look, the first this is the first wave. This is phase one. Great. Let's hear about phase two now. And uh, we're hoping uh, early next week the province is going to announce some of their measures here for businesses in British Columbia. Yeah, and we'll have to kind of wait and see exactly how that is going to impact and affect certain businesses and certain sectors of our economy. But as, as most people are aware, I would hope they are anyway, that small business is, you know, quote unquote, the backbone of our economy. And it is what really, really helps our communities, drives our communities. One of the stats that stood out to me here looking at this result was um, already 48% of businesses or respondents to this survey are saying there is a risk we will go out of business if revenues and deal flow continue to trend down. I mean, when we're talking about almost half of respondents already are worried about going out of business and we're really only 10 days or so into this when it comes to the response in Canada and the effect on business in my opinion you know that that's got to be a pretty frightening number you know from the BC Chambers perspective almost half of businesses already are concerned about closing up shop for good like I said these numbers are are sobering um, you said it as well the small business community is the backbone of our economy here in BC and I go even one step further and say they're also the connected tissue that holds their communities together. You know, a successful small business <clears throat> isn't just uh, putting the profits in their own pocket. They're sending it out into the community. They're supporting a lo uh, local sports team. They're making donations to uh, their local hospice society. Um, if we lose this economic foundation or furnace that keeps uh, our province going, especially in the regions, we're in big trouble. And so, again, back to our our supportive request 
the government. And like I said, they've been working around the clock. I think they're listening to business. I commend them. And we've never been in a situation like this. But now we must come to the table uh, with packages and relief uh, around the things that business is asking for. So as an example here in BC, I know some of the data in our survey was saying, hey, look, anything in the way of a payroll subsidy is going to be a huge help. We saw some measures from the feds this week, but I think in BC here, what can we do to take the pressure off uh, small business when it comes to payroll? Maybe we need to look at the EHT, and I'm not suggesting for a second the province rolls back the support of the health and care they give to our citizens here in British Columbia, but they need to get that money from somewhere else, um, or they even need to run a deficit. We're in a situation now where uh, long-term economic resiliency is going to be based on what we can inject into the economy in the short term. So like I said, we're encouraging government to go big, uh, to be creative, not take any idea off the table and move quickly. Now, Val, um, you know, this survey clearly just released on, uh, on yet, well, yesterday, after the results kind of closed up on, on Wednesday, or the opportunity for business to respond on Wednesday, and then re- results released yesterday. Is there any plan now to maybe do another one of these in the not-too-distant future? I'm just thinking because I look at this information and I find it incredibly valuable and, and really, like you said, eye-opening. I think you used that phrase a number of times, and, you know, I, I expect things, um, you know, to potentially get worse. And, and you know, do, is there a plan to sort of collect that data here, uh, maybe be in another week's time and just kind of continue to monitor how businesses are doing in BC? Yes, we're going to continue to go out into the marketplace and keep pulsing, as I would call it, the, the BC business community here. We need to, as this situation unfolds, we're going to get more and more intel around how some of the relief packages are tracking uh, from the feds and from the province. And so getting insight from business in real time to find out how, how those programs are performing, are entrepreneurs getting access to the cash fast enough? Because that's another thing. It's, it's one thing for government to obviously make some of these funds and resources available, but can businesses get to them quickly or is there more red tape? So we'll be staying in touch with the BC business community to find out um, how we need to map the way forward here to recovery. And Again, finding out what is uh, the most important, urgent thing government needs to be looking at. Is it a re- a more flexibility around tax remittances? Is it about zero interest loans? Is it about more tax credits and cuts? Is it about payroll subsidies? Getting insight from the business community is key as we move through this. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Really do appreciate it. And uh, yeah, next time we have a, a little bit more information or, or next time you release more information, I, uh, I hope to chat with you again. So thanks so much. Yeah, you bet. That was Val Litwin with the BC Chamber plan, a conversation I had with him earlier today. Um, yeah, so like I said, the BC Chamber released this survey here um, after uh, five days of collecting data, March 13th through the 18th. And here's just a quick uh, a snapshot of some of the results. 90% of businesses are currently being impacted by COVID-19. Of those impacted, 83% are seeing a drop in revenue, business, or deal flow. 91% anticipating a further decrease in, in revenue in the near term. 73% expect their revenues will drop by 50% or more, with nearly one quarter saying that revenues will drop by 100%. I mean, it's not um, not surprising, I think, about where we are right now. And, and like I continue to say, I think this is only, um, you know, near the beginning anyway, but... Hopefully I'm wrong. I'm, I'm going to continue to hope that I'm wrong. Uh, coming up next, I'm going to take a little break here, but I'll be joined by NL's Victor Kaiser in studio. Don't have a ton of time, but we will try to get through a little bit of a game that I like to call Friday Headlines. So that's going to be coming up after this. Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. 
Welcome back to the Jeff Andrea Show here on Radio and Al. Thanks so much for tuning in as I try to help take you to the end of the work week here. Hope the majority of you out there who are still working are able to, uh, you know, do so from home. Or if you have to go into the office at all, hopefully you're able to keep yourself somewhat isolated from your coworkers. I'm doing my best here now with Victor Kaiser in studio. I think we're about a meter apart here. so We're close enough. We're Oh, far enough, I should yeah, say. Yeah, we need one of those pokers, like <laughs> just a, a meter and a half sticks that we can keep between us so we know. Um, anyway, the reason I brought you in, of course, we did this last week as well, so it's week two in a row. Uh, Want to play a little Friday headlines? Let's get into it, okay? Okay. Let's do it. And now, Friday headlines with Jeff Andreas. All right, so here is the, the, my headline for, for today. I mean, we might not have enough time to get through more than one because we're running out of time here as it is. But this is the headline that stuck out to me, and I've been kind of waiting for it to pop up. People are panic buying guns and ammo in B.C. in fear of the Emergencies Act. Does that surprise you at this point of time? A little bit, yes, but I don't know what they're going to do with it other than hoard it and stockpile it. Well, I mean, I think people, you know, especially at a time when you're, you're stuck at home, you're self-quarantined, you're watching way too much Netflix, probably putting on some zombie films or something along those lines, and, you know, people you, you, are getting a little scared about what a pandemic really means. Well, we're not going to get zombies, that's for sure, so you can, uh, you know, put that one to rest. Can you promise me that? <laughs> yes, I have my hand sanitizer here, and I will spray every single one of you that, you know, thinks otherwise. <laughs> Wise. Yeah, I actually was talking to a buddy on the weekend, and he was, uh, you know, just kind of goofing around and being like, I, I thought about Brian and Crossbow, and then decided not Why? to, and then two days later went to actually try again to buy said Crossbow, and they were sold out. Uh, so that's kind of the way things are going. I, I, I've never tried to buy a gun or a crossbow. I know you need licenses for guns. I'm pretty sure you need a license for a crossbow. Uh, I'm not a crossbow expert. I don't know. I could be wrong here, but I'm I'm hoping you need a license for a I crossbow. I think people out there are watching a little too much Walking Dead and want to be the next Daryl Dixon. I think that's where we're at. I, I think so, too. Yeah, so just, the, again, a little bit of a snippet from the article. This gentleman was, was basically writing a, a blog here, if you will, and he was saying, walking into a big box store here on Wednesday afternoon, it's typically a fairly mellow day, but this week was a different story, at least in the guns and ammo department. Nearly 20 other customers buzzed around him as he was eyeing the empty shelves for bullets and shells. He says he was looking for, you know, of course, some ammunition. As he resisted the urge to scratch his face, because we're not supposed to touch our face, he overheard a person laughing, everybody's buying ammo, and he says they were. So yeah. that's the situation, <laughs> that's the scene at some places right now. It's, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a, uh, an overreaction probably in terms of, you know, trying to protect your your home, I guess. Well, what I, doing. I guess. I mean, some people panic by toilet paper, I guess others panic by ammunition. You know, whatever works for you. Uh, yeah, the TP thing, I mean, that's not really going to protect your hoofs. So I think one makes a little more sense than the other. But at the same point, we don't need to be buying guns. We just need to stay home and not go out. And wash your hands. And wash your hands. That's what we should be panic buying is soap. Enough with the sanitizer and the TP. Soap works as well. I think everyone's forgetting that. Absolutely, Jeff. All right, Vic. Well, we're out of time, unfortunately. It was a quick, short one here today, but we'll do it again next week. All right? We'll, we'll look forward to it. We'll see you then. All right. Friday Headlines with Jeff Andreas. All right, well, that wraps things up for me here today. I want to thank all my guests for joining me, and, of course, a big thank you to all of you for listening. And remember, whether you join me for a short while or a long while, just know I enjoyed your time while it lasted. Have a great weekend, stay safe, and I'll be back here on Monday at 9.